so good. How's everybody feeling this morning? Let me see where you're at. Let me see. You look good. There's a bunch of Aussies with us. They look really good. Not as good as the Canadians in the room, but they do look good. I will give it to them. We have with us this morning actually a guest, uh, uh, some guys that are planting a church. And uh, I want to mention just really quickly off the top, I want to celebrate something that we had an opportunity as a church to do this week. This week, there was seven couples that are planning to plant churches this year, life-giving churches in Canada through Art Canada, which is just a church planning organization that we were started out of. And uh, so they uh, came from all across Canada to BC this last week on Tuesday and Wednesday for a two-day intense training uh, and some coaching. I had an opportunity to be one of the coaches there, and I wanted to share that with you just to let you know that's not something I just get an opportunity to do. That's something that because of what God is doing here, And what's going on inside this house, it's actually expanding out beyond the walls of this house to impact other people. So why don't you go ahead, give yourselves a little round of applause. This this week you were impacting people you didn't even know. So good, I want to echo also what Pastor Troy just said about next steps. I've met so many people that you're new really in the last few weeks, new since Easter. And so if that's you, uh, I just want to remind you again of what he said. Like we're so passionate that you would discover that the purpose that God made you with, so passionate. In fact, that's why the centerpiece of the journey that we want to lead you on as a church is the discovery of that God-given gift. And today, as Pastor Choi, step two is my favorite step. I'm going to go again. Uh, and uh, it's going to be good because I, really I want the pizza. you got to go to get the pizza. Uh, I'll, I'll see you there. I can't wait. It's going to be so great. This week, as he said, we're in week number two of our This Is Us message series. It's a series on relationships. And every year around about this time, we're planning on doing a series on relationships. And we said that it's that important for us because God, uh, that moment of salvation between you and God, that was a private moment of faith. Whether it was in a church service, whether it was in your bedroom by yourself, you had a moment where you put your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. And then in that private moment of faith, God saved you. But God has always intended for you to take the next steps of your faith in the context of relationship, in the context of community. And so that's why we would take this time to carve out to do a series on relationships. And we're talking a lot about marriage in this relationship, really God's covenant place of, of relationship. And that's really a picture of our relationship with God. And, but really it applies no matter whether you're married, you're single, you're divorced, you're separated, whatever your situation in life is, this is a series for you because God's design for relationships teaches us something about every area of our Lives. And so I'm glad that you're with us this morning on the journey. And I want to lay the groundwork that we began to lay last week in the series. And we talked about really the way we approach this kind of series is with a from this moment on mindset. This is so important because, because we've all got broken relationships. When you look to your past and you see what's gone on, every one of us has had relationship letdowns. We've got reasons we want to build walls up around our hearts And so we've got some stuff in our past that makes relationships in our present rather difficult. And so we need to have a from this moment on mindset. And the Bible teaches about it. Jeremiah actually explains something that I think a lot of us feel. He said this in Lamentations. He says, I've forgotten what happiness is. And so he says, my my endurance has perished. So is my hope from the Lord. He's talking about remembering some affliction and looking back and there's wanderings, there's wormwood and there's God. When he's talking about wanderings, he's, he's talking about those decisions we made that were separate from God, right? Every one of us in our past, we've had some wandering and maybe your wandering has been in relationships. He said, I look back 
and I see wandering. And when I see those mistakes in my past, the stuff I did without God, what do I think? What do I feel? He says, well, my soul feels it, remembers it, and it's bowed down within me. So when we look back and we ruminate on a broken past, we feel heavy. So if any of you feel that, watch what he does next. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. So if we're going to press into God's best for our relationships, if we're going to have a from this moment on mindset, you have got to believe that today, because of what God's done for you, that you can have a fresh start. Amen, somebody? Amen. This morning I want to talk about something that uh, we really don't talk about a lot in church. I don't know if I've ever heard a message spoken on this topic, uh, but it's going to be good this morning. I want to talk this morning about how to fight fair in relationships. How to fight fair in relationships. Now I see, you know, there's some dating couples in the room this morning and, and uh, you're snuggled all in nice and tight. And you just kind of, you looked over at, at her and you were like, we ain't ever going to fight, are we, baby? <laughs> right? You're just looking at your boo, your squeeze, your, your lovey, your, your twinkle eyes, whatever it is, right? You're just like, we're never going to fight. Because when you're dating, <laughs> when, I'm sounding like that old parent, you know, like you'll understand someday. You're going to, kids, you're going to get this one day. You're attracted to your differences when you're dating. But come on, baby, when you get married, you put a ring on it, you don't, you're not attracted to those differences, baby. You attack those differences. Something happens when you slam a ring on it. There's going to be a little bit of a shift. And so this morning I want to talk about how do we fight fair. And we're going to talk about this from the Bible. Every week we're really pressing into what does the Bible say about relationships? These aren't just like some good ideas. These aren't just some principles that we come up with from, uh, you know, going to the relationship section of chapters. No, this is God's Word. These are God's ideas. And I know that there's some people, uh, you know, you believe in God. But honestly, when you look at what the Bible says about relationships, you have a hard time with it. Maybe feel that that's the part that seems like a little bit archaic to you. You know, that this idea that marriage is between one man and one woman for life. And the idea that sex is to be reserved for the intimacy and the covenant space of marriage. You're like, you know, I get down with the whole God thing and I get down with the whole he wants to save me from my sin thing. But that's where I really see the Bible as archaic. And what I want to push back on that thought is when you look at the world around you and you look at the way the world is doing relationships, please tell me you think something is broken. Right? Like the way that we are trying to do it without God is not producing glamorous results. Maybe it's just time you looked and said, hey, from this moment on, I'm at least going to try things God's way. And it's going to produce some better results than what I found that, that the world's way has been producing for me. Maybe that's your from this moment on mine. So what I want us to do, I want us to look at the book of James this morning. And I want us to see a couple of things that James says to us, really just in two verses of scripture, for how we can fight fair in relationships. And how we, we go about in our relationships uh, not just having great moments and then really bad moments and really great moments and really bad moments, but we can actually come to a place where those, those bad moments produce some fruit in our lives. They can produce some connection. We walk through them better than we've ever walked through before. Let's read this together from, from, from James. It says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all, everybody say all, all, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. 
Have you ever noticed that sometimes the biggest arguments start over the smallest things? Like, when Rachel and I first got married, our initial arguments, our biggest arguments in those early days were about punctuality. Where's the on-time people? Let me see your hands. On-time people, where you at? <coughs> yeah. Where's all the like, just live. Come on, baby. Just like lay back. Just live. Doesn't matter. Y'all need to get saved right there. I like being on time to things. I'm like, babe, this is like, this is faithfulness. The Bible talks about faithfulness. When it's talking about faithfulness, I believe it's talking about being on. So anyways, uh, we were planning to go on a vacation when we were first married. This is back before we had kids. And we said, we want to be out the door by 8 a.m. because we want to beat the border lineups. And so at 7.59 a.m. I did maybe a slightly passive aggressive thing and I went and sat in the car. Now... <laughs> <laughs> you're like why are we listening to this guy talk about relationships <laughs> when is he going to be done I sat it was about two three hours I think while you were doing your hair it was like I was in the car waiting eventually she comes out and I was angry I was steaming I was like this is not good baby don't you realize that we've got nowhere to be and nothing to do and we need to do that on time <laughs> and of course, as we kind of move on in our relationship, the, the scope and the, and the degree of the challenging things have, have grown. Maybe you found that in your own relationship for us, and I've talked about this several times in the last years, is that when Rachel's mom passed away three years ago, it brought pain and grief into our relationship that led to a disconnection that we honestly got to a place where we realized that if we're going to fight for the connection that we know that we want to have, we're going to need a little bit of help with this. So I've mentioned several times that we've gone to counseling, and that counseling's been so good for us. It's produced so much growth in our relationship that we continue on with that practice to this day. We still go to counseling. And I share those stories with you really so that you would understand and, and realize nobody starts out being great at this. Like, give yourself that, that bit of grace. Nobody starts out being great at this. And those that do become good at this have to fight very hard for the relationship and they never stop working hard to make it better. So I want us to press into these three things that James talks about. He said three things and three, these are three things I believe that we need to do if we're going to fight fair. The first one he said was this. He said we need to be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. And so when your partner comes to you and they're upset, before you start trying to think about how you are going to defend yourself, and before you start trying to assess whether they're right or wrong, you probably think they're wrong, take a moment and get laser focused on what it is that they're trying to say. James says, be quick to listen. Now, you're probably going to need, need, ignore the, the tone and ignore the volume. And the way they're going about this conversation, let's be honest with you, it's not really drawing you in at this point, right? You might need to ignore some of that and get focused on what it is they're saying. And, and I'm not good at this, really. I don't very, know very many people that are good at this. When someone starts to, to get upset with me, I'm not thinking, let me listen really closely and understand what you're saying. I'm thinking, let me listen really closely and find the hole in your argument that I'm going to push back on when you stop talking. 
That's not what he's saying. That's not the like, be quick to listen so I can find the flaw. He's saying, be quick to listen so you can understand what that person is saying to you. Think about who it is that you call when things aren't going very well in your life. You don't, you know, I don't know, some of you are younger than me, and that's fine, so I'm going to make a, like, 1999 reference to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. You remember that show? How many people, you remember Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yeah, there's a few of you that are in midlife. That's good. I'm with you. I'm reaching there. I'm not there yet. Late 30s, late 30s. Not yet 40. Late 30s. Holding on. When you were on that show and you needed some help, you phoned your know-it-all friend, right? Everybody's got the know and that's who you want on the phone when you're on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. When you're in a tough moment in your life, you don't phone that person. You don't want the person that's got the answers. You want the person that's going to listen. Listen, relationships, why, why do we need to be quick to listen to what the other person is saying? Because getting through a difficult conversation in your marriage and in relationships is not about figuring out who's right. If all you needed to do is figure out who is right, all you would need for an amazing relationship is an arbitrator. There would someone start up a service, it'd be like 800 who's right. And you and your, you and your, you and your spouse, you, know, you, get around the, you get around the phone and you, you call them up and you go on speakerphone and the one would say, so we, we wanted to go on vacation <laughs> and I wanted to leave at eight. And I think the Bible says this about faithfulness, and I think that's important. And then they come to the other person, and then they would say, well, I think we need to just live a little bit. Like, we were on vacation, right? The other person on the other end of the line, they could say, Shane, you were right. It's good. You got it. <laughs> if all we needed to do was figure out who is right, relationships would be really easy. Listen to Proverbs, though. Proverbs says this. It's kind of echoing what James says. If one gives an answer, so like if you're explaining why you're right, before you hear, that's your folly and your shame. See, what we need in relationships is not a better tool to figure out who's right, is we need to be quick to listen and hear what the other person is saying. And James, James and Proverbs are both saying, it's not about being right. The starting point is always hearing what the other person has to say, I mean, some of y'all, this just kind of hammering home the point a little bit more. Let's belabor it for a moment because this is important stuff. I have heard a rumor that there are mother-in-laws that are know-it-alls. Like I've heard a rumor, it wasn't my mother-in-law. It's certainly not my wife's, right, baby? Mom's here today. She's amazing. No. But I've heard a rumor. Yes, she is from the front row. She is. No. Uh, but there are some mother-in-laws that are know-it-all. Uh, and if you've got that mother-in-law, when things are falling apart in your world, that's not the person you pick up the phone to call. You call your friend. You call the person who's going to listen. Because oftentimes, when you're in the middle of a difficult moment, really all you need at the start is someone to listen. Let's move on to the second thing James says. He says, be quick to listen. Then he says, be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Now, I love this. The last two things he says are, be slow to do something. Be slow to speak. And he doesn't say, don't speak, right? No, you're going to have to share what you're going. This isn't like relational roadkill where you just lay down your life. You're like, the other person talks. I don't talk. I just let them talk. And then we move on. There's no space for me. I can't share what I'm going through. No, of course not. That is not the point of the exercise. James is saying, you're going to need to share your perspective in this relationship. Here's the thing that James wants you to hear. 
The pace of that really matters. Be slow to speak. Listen to Proverbs once again, echoing what James says. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in jumping in really quickly and expressing his or her own opinion. I think being slow to speak means, really, you could look at it this way. Be slow to speak from your perspective. It actually is a really good thing if you can be quick to speak from the other person's perspective. That you're expressing what they're saying back to them. Imagine this situation. Maybe it's happened to you. I used to work in business downtown and I had early mornings and I would often work very late nights. And so I would be coming home late. And uh, we, we would have had this conversation a couple times where, where I would have forgot to call to say I was going to be coming home late. And maybe you've had a conversation like this, like, like why, why didn't you call me when you were going to be coming home late? Right, what we would all jump to is some sort of description of why we're justified in doing what we just did and why we came home late. You're thinking like, don't you understand that, I, you know, I'm working to provide for our family and don't you understand, if you knew the day that I had just had, you wouldn't dare tell me why am I coming home late and how did I forget to call? No, you would understand the stress of what I've just been through. Like that's from my perspective. What if for a moment at the start of the conversation we were slow to speak from our perspective and we spoke from the other person's perspective? So if we heard that person saying, hey, hey, I'm actually really upset that you didn't call me to tell me you were coming home late, to actually speak from their perspective and say, I can understand that you would be upset that I'm coming home late because you worked really hard to make dinner. And it would seem like if I didn't call you, like I didn't see what you did and, and I'm not with you in this journey or whatever it is. Like I, just taking a moment to say a few reasons why this person might be feeling what they're thinking. What Rachel and I have found that oftentimes just that simple act of validating what the other person is thinking. Even if you still think you're right. That simple act of at least validating what it is they're feeling. It's like diffusing an emotional time bomb. We have found that sometimes that will actually end an argument before an argument will begin. In fact, so we, we'll say this to, to one another sometimes. Like, 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 we'll just, like, the other person will start to describe it. And it's just like, hang on, hang on, hang on a minute. I, want, I do want to hear you. I just validate, just validate, just validate for a moment. I need, I just need you to know what I was going through today. Be slow to speak. I think really means be slow to speak from your perspective. James in Proverbs is saying, listen, you, you might need to share about that day that you had. You probably do. The starting point is share from that other perspective. James starts off, he's saying, you've got to be quick to listen. You've got to be slow to speak. And then, then he gets to this last one, and this one's so important. He says, be slow to get angry. Slow to get angry. So that doesn't mean that you're not going to get angry. In fact, if you think about it, James is saying you are going to get angry. He's just talking about the pace of, of how you get there. There's going to be times where there's going to be anger in your relationships. And anger in relationships is actually a really important thing. Anger is always pointing out some place in your life where there's pain that needs to get dealt with. And so you might need to feel that anger. You might need to even express that anger. And that's why the Bible never once says don't get angry. The Bible is always making prescriptions about what to do when you get angry. For James, it's like, well, just slow the pace a little bit. But really, James is saying is, don't let your feelings make your choices for you. Have your choices redirect what you're feeling. And 
so if I'm angry, I, I'm not going to allow that anger to direct my choices. I'm not going to allow that anger to lead me into name calling. I'm not going to allow that anger to lead me into, that's it, we're getting, we're, we're, we're breaking up. That's it. Like, no, our, our choices should redirect our feelings rather than our feelings directing our choices. And it's not, again, James is not the only one that says this. The Apostle Paul talks about anger and kind of how, how we deal with it. What do we do with it? He says this. He says, in your anger, do not sin. So don't let it be the thing that's directing you. And he goes on and he says this. He says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Our culture says, and this one's for the dudes. Our culture says that men don't cry and they don't express how they feel. Really, we're taught Courage is having the strength to not need to deal with those things. That is the opposite of what Paul is saying right here. Paul is saying, if you're in a heated moment, if you're in an emotional space, don't even let the sun drop down before you work on what's going on in that relationship. No, it's a lie of the enemy that guys don't need to deal with heavy emotions. Because contrary to what culture is saying, you can't just press it down and move on without dealing with it. No, that's a lie of the enemy to get you to keep dealing with things the way everyone else in the world deals with them. Through overwork, through pornography, through overuse of alcohol, through starving myself, through eating too much, through numbing out with eight hours of Netflix, whatever the case may be. We can't press down what we're feeling and not deal with it. No, the enemy wants you guys to think that that's how you deal with things in strength because the enemy wants you to actually avoid the thing God gave you to deal with it, which is a healthy relationship in which there is great conversation and great pressing into what you're going through because God doesn't want you to deal with it with an unhealthy way that is never going to deal with your actual issue in your life. And to cope with it in something, the substitute that will never move you forward, God wants you to lean into and press into the health and strength of your relationships, man. Can I get a hearty amen? That was from the ladies. Come on, man. Like, that was like a bunch of ladies like, amen. <laughs> Let's do this, man. Come on. Can I get an amen? So what do we do with this? How do we land this word? How do we, how do we get some practical application of this? I love it. I heard this week from a, a woman in our church. We had an application last week. I don't know if you remember, we were talking about praying for one another. And I said, you know, one of the best ways to just kind of do this on a constant, regular basis is to just send those little texts that say, hey, I know you're going into that big, important meeting, and I want you to know I'm thinking about you right now, and I'm praying for you right now. Well, I heard from a woman in our church this week that, uh, that she actually got that exact text from her husband. I don't even think he changed the word. I think he went on the podcast... <laughs> And like had to rewind to write it down exactly as he heard. And she was so stoked. She did not even care that it was like a perfect script of what had been said in the message. <clears throat> she was just ecstatic that he had remembered that she had something important going on. So how do we apply this? You know, because again, as we said last week, what's important, it really oftentimes is not how you start, it's that you start. <clears throat> so what's your application from this today? Really, I think one of the most important things, if we're going to fight fair, if we're going to get good at fighting fair, one of the most important things is we actually have to get good at having conversations when we're not in a fight. We have to get good at pressing into doing life together well, 
in the good moments. And so maybe for you, the application today is simply that you need to, you need to go on a great date night this week. Or maybe for you, you need to kind of up it a little bit. You need to up the game a little bit. And you're like, no, we're going to make our date night consistent. Like it's going to be every week and it's going to be in the calendar. Maybe for you, your application would be on a deeper level. And you know with what you're going through, you need to pick up the phone and make that counseling appointment. You need to actually reach out for some help. Or you need to get into a small group in the church where someone can begin to see what's going on behind the mask in your life. Can begin to speak into your relationship and kind of bring you through whatever you're going through. Maybe that's the application for you here this morning. Really the most important thing that we need to land on and understand with all of this. And this is the closing point every single week is none of this is possible apart from a relationship with Jesus. As we look around in the world and we see the results of the way we're trying to do relationship, we look around and we see the results of relationships being pursued merely for personal satisfaction. We find that people say, hey, I'm going to put into this relationship what I'm getting, getting out of it. And if I stop getting out of it what I need to get out of it, I'm going to move away from this relationship. No, that's, that was never God's covenant design for relationship. Love doesn't give a person what they deserve. Love always gives a person what they need. So if we're going to leave the world's way behind, we're going to press into God's way to do covenant relationship, into God's way to do love, really to understand that we get from God the grace that we give away. We can only do that out of a pure and real relationship with Jesus. We can't give grace that we have not received. So maybe you're here today and you've been doing life with Jesus for many years. And today, for, for those of you in the room, that's where you're at. Man, my encouragement again today is just press deeper into that space in your journey with Jesus. Because understand, if we're going to do what the Bible tells us to do in relationships, we need to have every ounce of the power God is willing to give us to do it. And maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you're like, you know what? I'm not even sure if God exists, but you know what? I look around me in the world and I see that relationships is not working out. And maybe even just this today, you, you have a hard time believing certain things about faith. But even just hearing what God says about love and what God says about relationships for you, you're just saying that just makes sense. Today, today that God's calling you. He's saying that he wants to give you blank page. He wants you to be able to leave this place this morning knowing that you're in a right relationship with him and the sins of your past have been forgiven and your future is destined for his glory and his presence and his power and freedom in him. And you can know that before you leave this place today. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me all over the room. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, we lean into who you are. We lean into your presence and your power. And I pray, God, for every single person in this room that has been dealing with some emotional challenges, some relational challenges, God. Maybe they've had some fights that did not go very well. And today, God, before they can move on and begin to approach things in a different way, they need some healing from some fighting that wasn't fair. God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit in this place, you would begin to wash you'd begin to bring a blank page, you'd begin to renew. 
God, you'd break through the thinking that says, this is always the way it's been. This is always the way it's going to be. You would allow us to see that because of the cross, there is always a daily blank page. And for those of us, God, who've been struggling in relationships and need some help and some strength from you, God, may the grace that we receive from you today just begin to pour into our relationships. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment because there's people that are going to be making decisions in the room in this next few moments. Maybe you're here. What I just talked about, beginning a relationship with Jesus is where you're at today. You know that before you leave here today, you want to make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus, to say, I don't have every answer to my question, but I do know that I need God in my life. I know the brokenness that's come from being without him. And today I need to make that decision for the first time or maybe I need to recommit myself to him. I'm going to ask you, if that's you in the room this morning, I'm going to ask you in a moment to just raise your hand. Not because raising your hand is going to save you, but because I want you to know you had a moment of decision. And I want you to know we won't center you out or embarrass you because as we've said, that's a moment of private decision in your heart. I'm actually just going to pray with you in a moment. So if no one looking around, you'd say, yeah, today I want to make that decision. I want to remake that decision to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm going to invite you to raise your hand in the room right now and just say, yeah, pray with me before we close. Thank you, Jesus. You say, yeah, pastor, pray for me today. I, I need Jesus. I need a real relationship with God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so great. Let's pray together. If you raise your hand, you can pray this prayer in your heart. Pray it from your, from your lips. Come on, church, let's help those who are making that decision today. Would you pray this with me? Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life and my full surrender. And I choose to follow you. Forgive me. Make me brand new because of what Jesus did on the cross. And help me follow you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Can we put our hands together like never before for those that made that decision? Yeah.